Father, we approach you, Lord Jesus, in the most holy name that there is, the name of the Lord Jesus. Father, we recognize that all power in heaven and earth is given unto us. Lord, we recognize that it's all power is in your name, Father. We stand here, Lord, as the ransomed. We stand here as the redeemed, Father. If it was not for our Redeemer, Lord, we would not know the perfection of this redemption. Father, we're just thankful that we can, Lord, one more time, Lord, look unto you, the author and the finisher of our faith, Father. And we're just asking, Lord, that you'd move across this congregation. Lord, as we've witnessed you move here time and time again, but Lord, we have gathered one more time, Lord, and the circumstances of life allow us to go through things and Things are not always constant. The real constant in life is that things are always changing. Lord, we're knowing that when time ceases, you will still remain. When things pass away, you are still the same, Father. And Lord, even through all of the turmoil of this life, we realize that you're here right now. Lord, we invite you to come and take the pulpit just now, Lord. We, we give space, Father, that you would come and work through the veil of humanity lord one more time lord and lord as it were maybe just set us down in a corner lord as we yield our vessels to you father lord we don't want anybody glorified but you here father lord I, you see these hands lord jesus below them is a heart that has a desire that that only you can meet and father we're desiring as a church of the living god that we would see you high and lifted up resurrected right here manifesting yourself amongst the church of the living god we ask lord as we stand here father lord we take our possession as sons and daughters of god may we enforce the claim that we have been given and father may we push satan out of the way by the power of the word may you come in power and demonstration tonight and we'll be careful to serve you and give you all the glory and the honor and praise that is due unto your name and the bride said God bless you this evening. If you have your Bibles, we'd like to look over in the book of Hebrews, chapter 10, and verse 5, and then down to Romans, chapter 8, verse 14. It's an honor to be in the house of the Lord once again. Amen. Man. We ask that you be praying for us this coming week as we'll be headed to. Ohio there at True Word Tabernacle, the the uh, camp meeting that they have, the youth camp there at uh, St. Mary's uh, Camp. And I know it's a youth camp, and and I believe there's a few from the church here that's going. And and uh, so we're just 
just asking that you'd be remembering us in prayer and those meetings that the that the Lord would do special things, and I, I sure would appreciate your prayers. Myself and Brother Timothy Pruitt will be speaking that meeting again. Last last year, some of the most supernatural events I, I'd ever witnessed, uh, we witnessed right there, and you know they they're they're asking us to come back, and I'm I'm certainly privileged to go there, and I certainly love Brother Ray, and Brother Ray Erickson's just a real general and a real man of God, and, and Brother Wayne Lawson there, and. We're just uh, we're just privileged to know these men of God and to to be a part of this wonderful message. Amen. Amen. We trust you all had a wonderful week. Amen. Amen. I believe I believe God's got something in store for us this evening. You believe that? Before you see it or before you hear it, you believe it. Amen. I'd like to speak to you again. I was thinking or looking at a different thought, but the Lord just brought us back to this thought on experiencing the liberty of the message, and we just follow the leadership of the Lord here, so I believe, I believe that if we're following Him, He'll never lead us into anything wrong, amen, amen, so by the help of the Lord, we'd like to speak to you again on this thought on experiencing the liberty of the message, Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 5 Wherefore, when he cometh into the world, he saith, Sacrifice and offering thou wouldest not, but a body, a body thou hast prepared me. Amen. Romans chapter 8 and verse 14. For as many as are led by the Spirit, they are the sons of God. Can you say that you are a son of God? Amen. Amen. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs and heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of the creature waiteth for the manifestation of the sons of God. For the creature was made subject to vanity, not, willing, not willingly, but by reason of him who hath subjected the same in hope. Because the creature itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. May God bless his word. He may be seated in the presence of the Lord. We, we've been going over this thought for the last few weekends. I trust that you're enjoying that and, and it's been a blessing unto you. But we recognize that, that Webster, Webster said that liberty, it is the freedom. It is a freedom from restraint. In a, general, in a general sense and applicable to the body, it is a state of exemption from the control. It is an exemption from the control of others. And a man truly enjoys a liberty when there is no restraints or there is no physical force to operate upon his life to restrain him or to draw him back 
And I believe that is what God is desiring is a body that is without restraint. And that's what Paul would stand there in Hebrews chapter 11 and he would lay out those heroes of faith and then it turns over into chapter 12 and he said, let us lay aside every weight and sin that does so easily beset us. Any of the things that would hold us back from truly giving our complete life over to Jesus Christ, let us lay aside everything, anything and everything that would hold us back from the power, from the power of being released to the supernatural power of the Holy Ghost. And that's what we desire in, in each and every one of our lives no matter how far we've grown in the message or how far we've been here or how long we've been here I believe that every single person or every Christian has a desire that they would completely lay aside everything and to, to surrender their life unto him so that they can fully be used by the leadership of the Lord in the areas of life that, that he is destined for us to walk in I, I truly believe as sons and daughters of God that, that we are to completely lay aside our abilities and completely lay aside every weight and completely lay aside all of our thoughts and what we think about life and how we think that we ought to go in life but we ought to lay aside everything that would hold us back and, and Paul would go on to say let us run let us run within within us. You can't truly you can't truly run with this message if you're if you're holding on to the things of the world. And and that's that's something that William Branham, the ministry of Malachi four, he would he would stand there and he would he would express to us, especially in the later coming or the later years of, of the message. He would stand there and he would place the emphasis of the dynamics in the body of Jesus Christ. And he would stand there and he would he would preach right in front of those Pentecostal men that. Would, that would shut him down or, or men that would be against him but he would stand there and he said you've got too much theology you've got all the mechanics on the theology but there's no dynamics to make it work and you can have all the letter but you don't have the spirit you, you see it'll, it'll never work it'll never be into, it'll never be exactly what God destined it to be you see you can know you can know all the scriptures you can know all the quotes but unless there's a life to back up that scripture or a life to push the enemy back off of it you see See, you're just you're just waiting in the water. It might be a nice thing to know that that God has a chosen place of worship, or God's provided a place of worship. But to realize that that same Jesus Christ is dwelling on the inside of His bride today, and that she alone, that she is standing here in the midst of in the midst of chaos, in the midst of Laodicea. But there is a chosen place of worship, and that bride of Jesus Christ, she's not robed in her own righteousness. She's robed in His righteousness she's not standing there in her own mechanics but she's standing there in the mechanics of the word and the dynamics the spark of the Holy Ghost has come and set her life afire I think it's an amazing thing to recognize and to be able to experience the true liberty of the message. I recognize that, that many of you came out of came out of denominations. Some of you came out of Catholicism. And some of you come out of Protestantism and Protestant and you come out of those works or those movements of the world. But to think about the true liberty that you have as sons and daughters of God sitting here under the auspices of the message of the hour, I think what a powerful testimony that it is to witness that God's still getting his elect 
that God is still going after his seed and there's not there's not anything that can be put upon a child of God. Brother Branham would say that he would say some of the greatest experiences that I've ever had in my life is when I couldn't see my way through it or if I couldn't wake my way through it that God would stand there and he would move that mountain out of our life and I think it's an amazing thing that we could point back at all the roadblocks or and we could point back at all the stepping stones that we've had in our life that led us to where we are today and if we've not grown in our Christian walk then there's something wrong but to think that to say today is that the same pillar of fire that was there with the children of Israel is the same pillar of fire that showed up and had its photograph taken with our prophet William Branham is that same pillar of fire that has decided to come down in the midst of the church of the living God again today and to bring us back to the faith of the Pentecostal fathers. I believe Malachi 4 ran his race. I believe Malachi 4 laid aside everything that would hold him back. And I think if, if we've had a prophet that would stand before us and give us a, a give us such a testimony, how much more should the children of the, of the living God stand here under their witness of the message of Malachi 4, be able to roll their shoulders back and live out this message. If we had a prophet stand before us and show us how to do it. How much more as sons and daughters of God, how much more should we stand here under the authority of this message and recognize that our liberty has not been taken from us, but our liberty has been given unto us. We've not received a watered down gospel. We've not received a prophet that was wishy-washy in his thoughts. We had a prophet that stood there and he preached the word, whether they liked it or whether they didn't. But I like this message just the way it is. You don't need to change it up. You don't need to water it down. I've seen what it produces in our young people. I've seen what it does to, care, to, to people that were paralyzed. I've seen what it's done to babies with crippled feet. I've seen what this message can do. And if we're going to do anything, we're going to stand behind the full word of God. We're not going to take anything away from it. Because when you start taking away from the word of God and you start adding to the word of God, that's when you remove the liberty right out of the message let's let the message be the message brother Marin would say no. he said now the wheat alone it's just the wheat he said but when the quickening life gets into it he said into the wheat he said then it gives it life and he said, when we which were once dead in the trespasses of our sin, we that were made into the very images of Almighty God, he said, God, Brother Branham said that God had to get that quickening power or that quickening life in your mortal bodies. He said, I'm talking about your body, a body thou hast prepared for me. Brother Branham said that God had to get that quickening power on the inside of your body. Now to think, to think that, that, that it was promised, it was promised a Messiah that he would come and we know that the Bible said that in the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was God. Is that right? But we recognize that Brother Brandon would tell us and teach us. He said that Jesus, Jesus just as a man wasn't able to do that, to go in there and grab those prophets' prophecies and make them manifest right before, right before the church of that day. But it took the very quickening power of Almighty God. It took the spirit of Almighty God to come on the inside of Jesus, just like you. 
You have to be fully adopted as a son and daughter of God. You see, you can stand there, know all the scriptures have I stated, but you could sit there and say, well, it's said in Mark 16 that we'll lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Now, God is obligated to keep his word, but if you're standing there as a fully adopted son and daughter of God, you've got a right to tell Satan, take your hands off of God's property. You see, it took the very life of Jesus Christ to make it manifest and make it prove exactly what it was. To think that that same quickening power is the quickening power that's gotta be on the body of Jesus Christ today. He said, it's not me that doeth the works, it's my Father that dwelleth within me. And you might come up here and somebody lay their hands upon you and you might get completely restored. Maybe life-changing events happen in your life. But it is not the man. It is the spirit of the living God that is working through that man. And I'm gonna tell you what, if there's one thing that I'm gonna do, I'm gonna get myself out of the way and let God have his liberty. God don't need my two cents. God don't need my ideas. God don't need my energies. God just wants me to yield my vessel unto him. And if I can yield my vessel unto him and let God have his liberty, I'll say that the message will produce exactly what William Branham preached that it would do. It'll create sons. It'll create daughters of God. This message preached in its entirety will be exactly what Paul preached, exactly what Peter preached. That's why Satan is trying to do everything within you because God, Satan knows that God is immutable both in his ways and in his actions. And he recognizes that there is a church on earth today that is a Mark 16 church in action. And he recognizes that if the church of the living God catches this, he will be an invincible army. I'd say it's too late, Satan. We've already received a prophet's message. And that invincible army is standing upon her feet. She's not sitting down. She's not backing up. But we've stood up right exactly where the message put us at. I'm sitting right here exactly where I'm supposed to be at. This is the overcomer's domain. It's from eternity to eternity. And hell don't know what to do with a believer that knows their position in Jesus Christ. Well, glory. It ain't just enough to see it working in one person, but working in a body. It ain't just enough. It ain't just enough to just to see the thumb move. It ain't just enough to see the, see the neck move. It ain't just enough to see the hand move. The body has got to be under the headship. It's got to be under the intellect of the headship. And when you start moving to a different room, to a different groove or a different, a different rhythm of music, you're getting out of step. You're getting out of cater. And God does not want a church that's led by their own emotions, led by their own intellects. And that's where people get in trouble at is when they start putting their own intellects to the message, putting their own theology to the message. This message was perfect the way that it came. Let me tell you, when I received the message, I ain't just talking about hearing it on the tape, but when the message got a hold of me, it didn't come down to some watered down thing. It didn't take it easy on me. It didn't say, well, you can do this, that, or the other. It was the full message. It cut sin off of my life. It cut sickness off of my life. It was the message. It was the very quickening power. Yeah. 
If there's going to be any actions done in your body, it's got to be Christ working through your body. You see, when you're letting him have complete liberty in your life, you are saying, God, you're in control of everything. God, you've got my finances. God, you've got my, you've got my problems. God, you've got this situation, this, that, or the other. If God would work through Elijah, and Elijah would stand there under the anointing, under the anointing of Christ, when Christ, the anointing of God, would come upon Elijah, he would stand there, and God had, God had given Elijah a great ministry, and when it come down to the Jordan River, when Elijah was going to be taken away from Elisha, you remember the story, and you remember, you remember sitting there that Elisha asked a very specific word. Is that right? He asked for a double portion of his spirit. Is that right? And you remember if you go to studying out, you go to studying out the life of Elijah and Elisha, they were, they were under the same anointing, which was Christ. They were under the same ministry. And what was it to do? It was to restore the altar and it was to restore faith. Is that right? Am I preaching to you the truth? But remember, when Elijah asked for that double portion, you can look throughout Elijah's life and there was eight miracles, but you can look throughout Elisha's life while he was living and there was 15 miracles and it looked like God had missed it or it looked like God had forgotten but there was a band of men one day that was carrying a brother they was carrying a brother that had died in the battle and they, they were walking out through there and they were going down through there and they seen an army coming up, they seen the enemy coming up and they threw this band, they threw this soldier in that, in that, little, in that little place but they didn't know where they was laying him at you see, they threw that dead man into not just to any message. They threw him in Elijah's message. And there was a promise on Elijah's message that there was a double portion that would be poured out. What's been poured out in this day? It's not just another cloak. It's the same life of Jesus Christ. Oh, somebody. They threw him in there on Elijah's bones and they took off a running. Now I wonder if we could get a testimony from a soldier real quick. I wonder if we could get a testimony from a soldier boy. You know, I was up there, I was up there in British Columbia, and I was up there and I was I was desiring to get into a meeting where William Branham was at. I was desiring to get up there. But because but because of things of that, this, that, or the other, and it seemed like I wasn't gonna get to him. But it come down when William Branham was singing, Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. He stops and says, Soldier boy. Soldier boy, you're not going to do that. Satan is just trying to ruin your life. I wonder if we'd have TV3 right here just for a minute and said we'd like to interview a T. We'd like to interview a soldier boy real quick. We'd like to ask you what it's like. We ask you now, can you explain to us exactly what happened over here? Well, I'll tell you. I'll tell you. I, I was in the battle and things were going all right. And all of a sudden, I... I must, have, I must have died or something because I felt this coldness come over my body. And the next thing that I know, the next thing I know, I come running out of a place that looked like a place where people needed to be buried at. But I was very much alive. And I come running out and there was my, some of my buddies out there, some of my war companions, and I was running faster than they were. 
Well, can you tell us a little bit more about it? Well, I don't really, really know, but I recognize this, that my buddies had to tell me that when we threw you in there, we threw you in there as a lifeless corpse, but when you come out of there, we found out we didn't just throw you in any grave. We threw you upon the quickening power of Elijah's bones. And God had remembered his promise. I'll say this to you. You can throw any God-man, man-made image of God. You can throw it on this message and it'll raise it back to life again. You can throw any of your prodigals on this message and it'll bring them back to life. You can throw any cancer disease on this message and the message has got the power to push it out. You can throw any COVID devil, any sugar diabetes devil on this message and the message has got the power to set you free. a soldier boy up there in British Columbia and you walked in one way but when the message came by your way and told you the very secrets of your heart he said you go back and be a real man you'll not go back to that filthy habit no more hallelujah That's why I got confidence that no matter how far you are, no matter how deep you are, no matter how lost you are, you put this message on anybody as far as they are down in the pit. And this message has got enough power to raise them back to life again. I'm just a little, I'm a little boy trapped on the inside of a, a man's body. There's a whole lot of boys still left in me. And you know, I like, <laughs> hallelujah, we're not having confession tonight. <laughs> but you know, there's something on the inside Inside of humanity that likes pushing down on a pedal just a little bit to get a thrill, you know. You can put them, you can put them angel wings back there, baby. There's something. Don't tell the police officer up here or anything like that. But there's every once in a while that you got to get the you got to get the dust out of the carburetor. I'm afraid too many times people got dust in their carburetor of worship. And it's been so long since you put your foot on the pedal and you lifted your hands and you lifted your voice and things started restraining you so that you weren't at a full liberty to be able to move at a capacity that you were destined to move at. But oh, if you can just get into his atmosphere one time and blow the dust out of the carburetor of your soul and say, God, I'm here to worship you. God, I'm destined and built so that I can run after you. Father, I've come to lift up the name of the Most High God. Start blowing that dust out of the carburetor. You'll see what you can run at. Now they tell me, 
They tell me that in, in certain classes of cars like Mercedes, that they have the ability to run at so many, so many horses per hour. And they, 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 they can run a standard, a standard, a standard 550 can run at 362 horses per hour. Now, I'm gonna tell you what, that's more horses than Brother Williams got in his barn out there. That thing can flat out move. But you see, you see, if you can, you see on that certain AMG package, you see there's something that is there that after the warranty goes out, after the warranty goes out, you can go in there and you can remove, you can remove certain settings and they can go in there and take a chip and that thing is being able to, able to move at from 362 horses per hour then to 720 horses per hour. Now you think about so much power that's contained in an automobile and you think if you can just remove the restraint off of it, if you can remove that restraint off of it, it'll move at a terrific speed. And I'll say this, if you'll get your cold ideas of what you think it is or what you think Jesus is capable of doing, why don't you let God out of the box just for a moment and why don't you remove the restraints that you put on the message and why don't you run at full speed ahead. You'll move at a speed that you never imagined. I got bad news for you that are wanting to get horses and ride in the buggy again so that you can save yourself some gas. Let me tell you, those days are going by. You might ride in one here or there up in Amish country, but it'll never get you to your destination. And we're not living down here in Martin's day. We're not living down here in Luther's day. We're not living here in Wesley's day. We've been called up to come a little bit higher. This is an astronaut age. And only those that are destined to get in there that are elected and go through a certain course are able to move. Let me tell you, your jet fuel's already been paid for. You ain't gotta worry about the price of it. You ain't gotta worry about how you're gonna get it in there. It's already in there. The message has already got the dynamics. Just get in it. Just get in it. Now some of y'all need to let that little boy out in you. I ain't talking about here on this natural ground. But I'm talking about right here. When you lay everything down, when you decide that enough is enough with Laodicea, and you decide that I'm gonna finally serve God the way that he wanted me to be, you know he so designed you that you are fearfully and wonderfully made, that everything is in his order and everything is set up and he's designed your vessel to be a spot of worship. He's designed you in such a way that you'll echo out hallelujahs and you'll echo out amens and you'll worry you'll start worshiping. He's the one that designed you. You remember when Brother Branham was standing there and he's preaching on there is a man that turned on a light? You remember there was, a, there was a mechanic that was down there working and he was working with everything within him to get this Chevrolet part, try to get it back together. He was trying to put it back together the way that he thought it would go and he'd try this and he'd try that and it just seemed like it wasn't working the way, the way that, he, that he thought it would be. But Brother Barnum said that there was a man that was sitting there and he said he was a dry, uh, nice dressed man. He was sitting there and he said, son, he said, I believe that if you'll take this part and put this with it, that everything will work according the way that it was designed to go. And that man, Brother Branham said that man had enough sense to turn around and said, now who are you? He listened to him and he come out exactly the way, he come out exactly the way that it was designed to work at. 
Is that right? And he said, now, who are you? He said, I'm the chief designer. I'm the chief designer. I'm the one that built this product. I'm the one that built this. And he knew this was the man. The chief designer was there. And he knew exactly the speed. Or he knew exactly how it was built. And how it was going to manifest. He was the one that designed it. And Brother Branham said, now, who's got more? Who's got more knowledge? The Methodist or the Baptist? How to get this church in rapturing order. It's the one that has designed it. And he said he's a nice-dressed man, robed in the power of his resurrection. And he's here to manifest. I'll say God has designed you. Hell ain't going to win. Hell ain't going to destroy you. Hell won't make you go down in defeat. He designed you to have full victory. Brother Marion would tell us, he'd tell us in the Feast of Trumpets, he said, the bride is with the words. He said, they're one. He said, how can they be one? He said, when the word that's wrote in there becomes in you and makes you what? Makes you and the word become one. He said, he would go on to say, and who do you say this is? When the, ex, when the ecclesiastical powers and the ecumenical churches or the ecumenical councils were, were asking for you to come and join your hand with them so that you might be one, the Catholics joining together, the Presbyterians joining together, this one joining together, and they're saying that we'll be one. But Jesus said, he said, Jesus prayed that we might be one. He said, that's true. He said, but not that kind of one. He said, be one as I and the Father one he said be that kind of one he said then how will that be he said the word in us will be the anointed word that is the oneness of God he said you see the oneness of God is the word anointed in you and then you become a son or a messiah of the age and I think I, I, that's why we can stand here and see what William Branham was standing there and said, it was the anointed man, but now it's anointed people. Anointed by what? By accepting what Eve turned down. And when Eve turned down the headship of the word back there in the Garden of Eden, she was turning down the oneness of God. But there is another body on earth today that is anointed to be the Messiah of this age. That's had every restraint moved off of her. That can do the same works that he did. Hallelujah. Now you go studying out in the Old Testament. You find that the Bible records how that God, how that God's people had lost their physical liberties. And time and time again, as various empires would overtake them. You see, the, the loss of physical freedom was often tied to spiritual disobedience like worshiping false gods. And I was reading this morning over in 2 Chronicles 13 when Jeroboam, when Jeroboam and Abijah, Abijah, they come out to go to battle together. And Jeroboam was the king of Israel. And Abijah, they come, they come to fight. They come up to battle together. And here Jeroboam, Jeroboam was over there. And he was supposed to be serving the true and living God as the king of Israel. And they voted, they voted Jeroboam in because of Solomon's son, because of his son's mistakes, and because of his failures, they voted Jeremiah, Jeroboam in to be the king over them. And Jeroboam, he got to looking out on the congregation of Israel, and he'd seen them going up there to feast, and he'd seen them going up there, up there to worship on the mountain, going up there to Jerusalem, and he'd seen that he was beginning to lose his church. He was starting to lose his church, so he, what he did, he started introducing false gods into the message. 
and he started introducing ideas and he started introducing and he started introducing the same thing that they wanted to do back there when Moses brought them out and they built a golden calf and said this is the God that brought us out. I think it's amazing when that devil raises his head again it comes back again in Jeroboam and they build a golden calf and said this is the God that brought us out. There ain't nothing new underneath the sun. And you watch when people try to start moving in and shutting down the move of God. But Abijah was a real brother. He was a real, he was a real Christian right here in this moment. Here 800,000 men come out with Jeroboam. And only 400,000 men come out of Judah. They were outnumbered two to one. And Abijah begins to talk to him like a real brother. He begins to talk to him like a real brother and said, now, now remember, he's starting to, he's trying to persuade him, said, look, look, don't you remember? Don't you remember of the covenant that God had made between us and, and David and the Levites, the covenant of salt, the one that'll preserve you, the one that'll protect you, the one that'll give you that saving power. Don't you remember the covenant, that undying covenant that he made with us? Notice, Abijah, he's, he's laying this out. Turn from your wicked ways. He's, 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 trying to, he's trying to everything within him to show him the message. This is the way God has said it. And Abijah said, look, man, you cast out everything that God set up. You set, you cast out the very design of worship. You cast this out. You cast out the Levites. You cast out the real anointed preachers. And you tried to make priests, instead of making them worship like God designed us to worship, you made them run after false gods. Gods that ain't got no power. Gods that ain't got no saving power. Gods that can't heal you. Abijah was trying to, to promote the message, get it into his heart, show him, look man, turn from your evil ways. Look, man, a king uses war as his last result. You watch a real leader, a leader will use war as his last result. And Abijah's taking the message, and he's preaching the message, and he's trying to bring it before him. Said, look, you're up there in Israel, Israel, and I'm over here in Judah, and God set up our worship that we would bring it in before him, that we'd have the sacrifice, and we'd worship under the true and living God. I'm telling you, Jeroboam, don't go your way. Don't go after your way. If you do, you're gonna lose. Look, look Jeroboam, God himself is with us. You've got gods that have no power, but we have the true and living God, the omnipotent Jehovah that is on our side. You have forsaken him, but we've not forsaken him. God has remembered us. We kept his Sabbath, we worshiped, we, we, we brought everything in before the priest, we let the priest do, do exactly as, as he set up over there. There's a sacrifice, there's incense that's burning, morning and evening that's burning there, that sweet incense before the Lord. You walked away from it. But we kept the charge of the Lord our God, but you forsook him. And behold, God himself is with us. Now look, this is where true worship gets you.
You have God in your midst. God himself is with us for our captain and his priests sounding trumpets to cry alarm against you. Oh, children of Israel, fight ye not against the Lord of God, the Lord God of your fathers, for ye shall not prosper. Abijah knew the scripture and it was laying out before him and he recognized what Moses had said over there in Numbers 10 and 9 that if you go out to war in your land against the enemy that oppresseth you, then you shall blow an alarm with the trumpets and you shall be remembered before the Lord your God and you would be saved from your enemies. Abijah knew the scripture. He done set up his worshipers. He's done set up his Levite priest, his priest. He set everything up. And he said, it's time to blow the trumpet and you're going to lose. If we blow this gospel trumpet, Satan, you are going to lose. If we preach the message in its entirety, you're not going to prosper. Brother Burnham would say that Satan had a marvelous success, but it failed. When it met this body in this day, when it met that same Jesus that defeated him 2,000 years ago in body form again, he lost his success. Look, verse 13, he said, but Jeroboam caused an ambushment to come out behind him so that they were before Judah and the ambushment was behind them was before Judah and the ambushment was behind them. And when Judah looked back, behold, the battle was before and behind and they cried unto the Lord and the priests sounded with the trumpets. What were they doing? They were following the instruction of the message. Now if God, if God is as good as his word and his word is preached, God will back up his word. That's why I'm not afraid to lay hands on the sick and they shall recover because God is obligated to keep his word. God is obligated to prove his word. And if they are his believing children will take him at his word, you watch. It doesn't matter what enemy comes up against you. If you sound the trumpet, that the Lord your God will remember you and your enemies would be scattered. I'll say this, it's time to sound the gospel trumpet again. It's time right now to sound out this gospel message that you're free and whom the Son is set free is free indeed. And the Bible said, then the men of Judah gave out a shout as the men of Judah shouted and it came to pass that God smote Jeroboam and all Israel before Abijah and Judah. Completely surrounded. Surrounded on the front and surrounded on the back. Everywhere you look ain't nothing but devil, devils that are trying to destroy you. Devils that are trying to destroy your health. Devils that are trying to destroy your worship. Devils that are trying to destroy your family. You're completely surrounded. But do what Judah did. Judah still shouted and Judah still worshiped. This is how we fight our battles. We might look like we're surrounded, but I... It might look like we're, we're in defeat. It might look like cancer is winning. Cancer can't win. We've sounded the gospel trumpet. We're still worshiping God the same way William Branham said worship God. Some people don't understand your worship, but it is designed to bring glory and honor unto him. 
We've tried our best. We've preached our hardest. But now it's time to worship. Refute the devil. Refuse what they say about you. Stop listening to the lies of the devil. I'm like Paul. I'm going to confess in the way that's called worship, in the way that's called heresy is how I worship my God. They say it's too Pentecostal. Well, I just worship God this way. They say we're too excited. Well, I just worship God this way. Brother Ram says we believe in them old time heartfelt salvation. He said, we believe in the people's liberty to be able to say amen and praise the Lord. He said, whatever the Spirit of God leads you to do, do it. And he won't lead you to do anything but what's right. Amen. And he is the Spirit, and God is the Spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. And God, the very word God, means an object to worship. So God likes to be worshiped by his children that we can be free and not bound down in the yokes, but we can ex exercise our faith in him and believe it and not be ashamed to tell the world about it. Let me tell you, there's been a lot of things taken from me. I've had my friends taken from me. I've had my family taken from me. Don't take this from me. I've had people turn their back on me. I've had people laugh at me and mock me. Don't you take my liberty from me. Don't you take away the greatest thing that ever come into my life. Don't you take this message away from me. It was his message that got me out of a pit. It was his message that turned me to life. It was his message that gave me a wife. It was his message that gave me a real family. It was his message that gave me the greatest friends in life. It was his message that put me on a stage to stomp out every devil that's raising its head. It's his message. And now I'm dead. I'm obligated to preach this message. I'm obligated to stand here. Why would I turn my back on the greatest thing that's ever happened to me? Don't take this message from me. Forgive me. That things keep cutting in and out. But I ain't done yet. Patrick Henry stood right across this mass. It's right across this mountain right here. And riding on horseback. And there was a man that was given his life because of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he was standing there, and this preacher was saying some of his last words. And he heard this preacher, Patrick Henry, riding on his horse, and he stopped by, and he heard this preacher standing there saying, Give me liberty or give me death. 
Patrick Henry had been in. The House of Burgesses been out of it back and forth and all those things. But when it come time when Britain was pressing down upon, upon the Americans and trying to rule them, trying to rule the nation and trying to make intolerable acts come to pass, Patrick Henry stood there. So look, man, we're gonna have to put on a posture of defense. This ain't the time. This ain't the time to this ain't the time to just roll over and take what they're saying. He stood there in the church in Williamsburg, which many of you stood there, and many of you felt you felt the impact of that building. You can you could sense you can sense the American nation being birthed right there. He said, Let me tell you, sir. He said, these are some of his remarks standing there on March the 23rd, 1775. He said, that we, he said, sir, they tell us that we're weak and unable to cope with such a formidable adversary, but when shall we be stronger? He said, the millions of people armed in the holy cause of liberty and in such a country as that which we possess are invincible by any force which our enemy can send against us. Here's Patrick Henry saying these things in the natural. He said, we are invincible by any force which our enemy can send against us. Besides, sir, we shall not fight our battles alone. There is a just God who presides over the destinies of the nations and who will raise up friends to fight our battles. The war is inevitable. Let it come, and I repeat, let it come. He said, I don't know what everybody else will do. He said, I don't know what course others may take, but as for me, give me liberty or give me death. I'm tired of Britain trying to rule my worship. I'm tired of them trying to tax me over this and that. Let me have my liberty. I've had enough with Satan trying to push us in a corner. I've had enough with him telling us that the days of miracles have passed. Give me my liberty or give me death. And Patrick Henry could stand there and say, hey man, we're gonna have to have the posture of defense. Let's stand as a church of the living God and have a posture of defense. There's no weapon. There's no weapon that is formed against the bride of Jesus Christ that'll prosper. If God is for this bride, who can be against this bride? If Jesus said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, let's stand there. You're gonna have to fix it. It's too terrible up here. It's reverberating up here. I'm sorry. But we're gonna have to stop giving power to the voice of our adversary and stop confessing his thoughts. If we're gonna confess anything, let's confess what Jesus said about us. He is the high priest of our confession. He's the high priest of your confession. Let me quote you your prophet. He said, do you get what I mean? What you confess you are, that's what you are. Any man will never live any further or any higher than what he believes he's living. He said, you take a man that's talking about drinking all the time and he talks about drinking, he thinks about drinking, he drops right down into that category and becomes a drunkard. He said, a man that's always thinking about vulgar things, that's what he'll do. But I'm gonna stand here and I'm gonna confess what Jesus said. I'm gonna confess Isaiah 53. I am healed, I am delivered, I am stronger than I thought I was. I am not as weak as the devil tells me I am. I am gonna make it. 
I have what it takes. I'm a real overcomer. I'm a child of God. I am God's son. I am robed with the Holy Ghost. I can cast Satan out before the throne of God anytime. I'm equipped. I'm empowered. I've been given authority as adopted sons and daughters of God, and I have full status as his offspring. I am fully authorized to use the name of Jesus Christ for any need at any time. I am a believer. I'm not gonna confess what Satan said about me. I'm gonna confess what Jesus said about me. It's time that you start taking the mentality as a son and daughter of God. What if you take the mentality and you listen to what the enemy has whispered about you? Let's go down to his camp real quick and let's hear him whispering about you. You're not good enough. You'll never live this. You'll never be this. Let's go down to his camp and let's call him out just for a minute. Let's, let's listen to what he's got to say. Now that's what he's whispering in your ears. But down in hell, he's whispering some other things. If they ever catch who they really are, I am defeated. I see too much quickening power on them. And if they really grab a hold of it, they're right there in the atmosphere. And if they ever really grab a hold of it, I'm gonna get my props knocked out from underneath of me. Why don't you start thinking what the devil really thinks about you? Not what he whispers in your ear. He knows he can't handle you. You remember in Ezekiel 37 when Ezekiel went over there and he was shown a valley full of dry bones? You remember he said, he said to come over here and look on this valley full of dry bones and you watch? He said, can these bones live again? He said, thou knowest, Lord. Thou knowest if these people can really live out this message. You, really, you know if they can really experience the liberty of this message. You only know that. He said, prophesy. Speak to the bones. Speak to them, prophesy upon them, son of man. And you watch, you watch as that's four stages of it. It was bone, sinew, skin, and, f and the wind that came upon them. He said, prophesy upon them, prophesy. And he said, I heard a rattling, and I heard a noise. And he said, well, it was bone coming to bone. He said, and there, he said, then prophesied, and then he watched the sinew come upon him. He watched the muscle come upon him. He watched the skin come upon him. But he said, there was no wind there. There was no wind there. He said, son of man, prophesy to the wind and breathe on them. Now, a while back, I was studying on this salt. I was studying on this salt right here, just going over Ezekiel 37. And I, man, I was, having, I was having a hard time putting it together exactly the way the Lord wanted me to put it together. My Papa Charlie met me in a dream. He said, Andrew... He said, if you'll focus on that fourth spot, if you'll focus on the fourth stage, he said, everything will be all right. Now, let me give you some words from the other side. From a man of faith, if you can focus on the wind, 
If you can focus on the wind, God's got a body. God's got muscles here, and God's got skin on earth right now. But if he can breathe upon you the breath of life, that which he was standing there in John, and he said, breathe, and he breathed on them, and said, receive you the Holy Ghost, and they went up there on the day of Pentecost. If my papa Charlie could come from that side of the grave and said, focus on this part. Let me tell you, full gospel lighthouse, it's time that you focus your life into the power of the Holy Ghost. And they... And I breathed upon them. I spoke the word and breath entered into them. What happened? They stood upon their feet. What was it? It was the word that brought them to their position. What's brought you here? It was the word. It's not man's doing. It's the word that brought you here. This is him. This is the Lord's doing. It's time that you start taking words from the other side. Don't take what Satan said. Take what God said. You're going to make it. And there stood up an exceeding great army. Breathe on them. Don't you see why Satan's afraid of you? It's because the breath of God is breathing on his children today and he's doing everything within his power to stop you. To stop you from getting to this position. But he showed up too late. The word is here. The word's called to your feet. The word has done this. Back in the late 80s, early 90s, there was a bad, there was a bad dude that was in a ring named Mike Tyson. Man, he showed up on the scene. Everybody's saying this is the next Muhammad Ali. Nobody could stop him. He'd won fight after fight after fight. And there'd never been anybody after Mike Tyson had knocked them up, knocked them out, had they ever got back up. Knocked them completely out, and they never got back in the ring. But Buster Douglas come for his time to fight him. And his mama told him, Buster, you're going to whip Mike Tyson. You're going to whip Mike Tyson. He trained with everything within him because ain't never been anybody that got knocked out by Mike Tyson that got back up. He trained like never before. His mama kept telling him, so you're going to beat Mike Tyson. You're going to beat him. You're going to beat him. And two days before the fight, Buster Douglas's mama died. It come to the fight... Mike Tyson is warring with Buster Douglas. He's beating him everywhere around that ring and knocks him out. Buster Douglas lays there and he gets back up. And he goes over in his corner and he starts remembering what his mama told him. You're going to whip Mike Tyson. You're going to whip Mike Tyson. And Buster Douglas come out there and he beat Mike Tyson. Mike Tyson's own words. Everybody's got a plan until they get punched in the mouth. 
Mike Tyson lost a plan. And Buster Douglas remembered what his mama had said and he remembered those words beyond that veil of death. And here's my thought to you. If a man can take those words from that side of a veil, how much more as the elect of God should we take the words of a prophet that's went beyond the veil and said there's been a vision seen over you. You can do it. You're gonna win. You are bone of his bone, life of his life, power of his power. I'm gonna take what a prophet has said about me, not what Satan has said about me. We're fighting this enemy right now like never before. Right here in the middle of Satan's Eden. And you were ordained to be an overcomer. You were ordained to win this battle. There's a power on the inside of you that's got to come out. There's healing on this, in this body. There's deliverance in this body. There's power in this body. There's peace in this body. There's glory in this body. But the enemy's trying to creep its way into this body and tell you you can't have full liberty. It's time as sons and daughters of God you start manifesting what God has destined you to be. This is the manifestation of the resurrection for the people in this day. I'm struggling, Brother Andrew. I'm struggling. I got good days and I got bad days. I've got days when I feel like a Christian and days when I don't feel like a Christian. There's a lot of emotions that I go through, Brother Andrew. Satan wars with my mind over and over and over again. It's time you focus on the fourth stage. And when you get there and he breathes the breath of life in you, get ready. You're going to have more troubles than you ever had before. You're going to have more mind battles than you ever had before. You're going to have more struggles. There's days when you don't really feel like a on top of the mountain. There's days when kids are screaming and man, it's just fun to be a teacher, ain't it? It's days when Brother Stephen, he just gets a little out of hand. And he need a little bit more Jesus in the house, right? But does it mean that you don't have the Holy Ghost just because you go through troubles and just because you go through trials? This body is the most powerful body that there is. But Brother Branham said it's one of the most sickest bodies that I know is the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. You're going to go through trials. You're going to go through tribulations. You're going to go through struggles. But all of that is coming to an end. When Satan is finished, you'll never be finished. When Satan is over, you're just beginning. Because you focus 
on the fourth stage when the wind come into a body and a resurrect a body to be exactly like the Son of Man walking in flesh again. A body thou hast prepared for me. A body I can work through. A body I can work through, a body I can lay my hands on, a body I can do that is a really believer, a body. It looked close in Luther. It looked close in Wesley, but a body. It was so close, the Pentecostals really thought they were there. But I finally got a body. I got a body that's John 14, 12. I got a body that's John 15, 7. I got a body that's Mark 16 in action. I've got a body that's got full liberty, that's got the same power that I've got, that's got power to cast Satan out, that's got power to condemn sin. It's got power. Destroy this temple and I'll raise it up again. It's going to be my greatest honor to stand there on that day. To stand shoulder to shoulder with Brother Homer and Brother Ron. Say, Lord Jesus, men said I didn't have much and they despise the day of small things. But I took this message and I preached it with everything within me. It was just a small group over there in Elkton. But this is the body. If I could hear coming through the veil just for a moment, give me a little bit of liberty right here. If I could hear coming through the veil, Brother Homer. You're exactly what I built this church for. I didn't build it for my own emotion and I didn't build it for my own ego, but I built it that it would be a place where God would come and feel welcome. Men scrutinize me and men criticize me, but I preach the message. Keep fighting. Keep fighting. Don't give up. Keep fighting. You're almost there. You're almost there. And when you get to the finish line, I'll be right there. And when uh, we were going to present you before the Lord Jesus Christ, I'll be right there with Brother Ron. I'll be right there with Brother Andrew. I'll be right there with those men of God. But if we could echo out through that veil on the other side, Brother Homer, we appreciate you standing for this message. Thank you for setting a standard. A body, a body thou hast prepared for me. 
A body that's not afraid to use the gifts of God. A body that's not ashamed to speak in tongues. A body that's not ashamed to interpret. A body that's not ashamed to prophesy. A body that's not ashamed to love. A body that's not ashamed to work. A body that's not ashamed to move. A body. A body thou hast prepared for me. I echoed out my heart to you a few weeks ago on God's anticipation. I can't get away from it. I cannot get away from the facts or the thoughts of God's anticipation. You know, as a little child, mama says, you're going, you're going on this trip or you're going to Disney World. Man, you're, you're anticipating it. You've made out plans. You've already picked out what you're going to eat. I know what I'm talking about. Those, those are the dreams that are real nightmares to me. I'm trying not to go carnal right now. You've designed this whole trip and set it up. You've already picked out your Mickey waffles. You've already got every idea of where you're going to get your cotton candy and the greatest ice creams and the biggest donuts. Ain't that right, Brother Scotty? You've got everything set up. And a child, as a child, you're anticipating this day. You can't hardly sleep at night. You're dreaming about it, and you get there, and it's raining. Things did not turn out the way you thought it would. Your wife don't let you have that extra spicy chicken waffle, and, and things just don't go the way that you want it to go. But God has anticipated this day. They won't nothing be out of place. There won't be one person missing. There won't be one plate that's missed or added to. God designed you and he built himself a body and he's already got your seat and your name tags picked out. Everything's gonna be just right. You eat something that just don't satisfy and you start looking for something else down here on earth. But when you start eating there at the wedding supper, the best the world's got to offer here is nothing that is to be compared. I believe that his anticipation has been met in this body. With every fiber of my being, God has a body that he fully trusts. God has a body that he has full confidence in. She won't fail. She won't falter. She won't cater to men's ideas. But she's strictly led by the leadership 
Why don't you stand with me? feels good to know that God slept slipped onto your hand the wedding band of unmerited grace it feels good to know I'm the one William Branham saw it feels good to know I was seen in a vision feels good to know I am she aren't you thankful for the message of the hour give the Lord a hand clap of praise as I look out across the land we see God's mighty hand the bride of Christ adorning wedding gown just like in the days of old they stood in courage bold and they turned that old world upside down. We're rising up, rising up. We're the New Testament church rising up. We're rising up, rising up. We're the New Testament church rising up. Now the Bible plainly tells how the Holy Ghost fell. Well, signs and wonders were done by the apostles' hands. Demon spirits were cast out in the jail. They sang and shout while surrounded by God's holy angel band. We're rising up.
for your liberty. Lord, we love you of all our hearts. Trial of this world was getting stronger. The pull I felt was more than I could bear. Oh, but deep within our heart
say, Jesus, Jesus keeps holding. you're dismissed. Let that reality hold you. God bless you. We'll see you in the morning.